This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. I want to thank Jason for praying for me as I stand before you this morning. Uh, as all of us men do, we take uh, a great pride and, and see it as a great privilege. Uh, this morning, if it's any, if you're thinking, oh, Dane's on the schedule again, if it's any consolation to you, I'm preaching about Jesus, okay? If it's any consolation to you, so. Most of you know that I do some construction. Uh, can you guess what my favorite tool in the bag is? Any guesses? Hammer. Tape measure. Other than these bad boys, obviously, right? Other than these bad boys, what my favorite tool is. Shelly's the winner. Now, why do you think this is my favorite tool? Now, is it because the Fat Max has a 12-foot breakover? <laughs> That's one reason. That's one reason I like it a lot. But what I love about the tape measure Jason and I work together some, and he can be up on the roof, and I can be on the ground, and he can measure something out for me and say that's four and a half feet. He can use his tape measure, and I'm on the, actually he tries to use my tape measure, see what he did there where, but he can have a tape measure up there, his own, and I can have my tape measure, and I can measure out four and a half feet, and guess what, we come up with the exact same measurement every time. Every time. Go buy a tape measure. It's going to be the same as mine. It doesn't have to be the fat max, so I recommend it highly. Okay? It's going to be the same every time. I love math. I love the tape measure. I love numbers because they don't lie. They speak the truth. No matter who holds it, it still speaks the same truth. We can interpret it wrong, right? We can get seven eighths, we can get that off, right? And I, I don't talk in terms of sixteenths very often. Jason does. I say, quit that. Quit it. Yeah, just quit. Right? But no matter who's holding the tape measure, it speaks the same truth. If I miscut, if I mismeasure, that's on me. Not fat ass. Okay? She does a lot. And that's what I want to talk about this morning is the value and the beauty of just simple truth. Simple truth. If you remember back when Jesus was on trial, he was confronted by Pilate. He was, Pilate was his judge at the time, partially. And here's their exchange. It says, So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or is it because others said it about me? Pilate answered, he said, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? He's almost smart aleck, you know. He's a bit of contention in his voice, I think. Am, am I a Jew? You know, 
do I know about you? Am I guilty? Do, do I know what's going on here? Jesus answered, he said, my kingdom, it's not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this world. Amen to that. Jesus' kingdom is not of this world, and neither are we. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Or a question. So you're a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world. He says, To bear witness to the truth. Jesus came to bear witness to the truth. Remember that. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And then Pilate said to him, What is truth? After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and he said, I find no guilt in him. Pilate asked the question that society asks with, with contention in their heart as well. What is truth? Are we not faced with this all the time? Do we not see it plastered everywhere in society, begging, partially begging for, to know what is truth, but half saying it as Pilate did with a sneer? What is truth? You know, the interesting thing about this exchange, stop and think about it, that Pilate asked truth, what is truth? He was standing and looking in the face of truth as he asked the question, what is truth? Incredible. Looking straight in the eyes of Jesus, he asked the question, what is truth? And as shocking as that should be to us, it's not all that shocking. Because as we stand and proclaim Jesus today, the world still looks at us and says, well, what is truth? <laughs> right? As they can look upon the face of Jesus just as we can. And we'll get into that a little bit more here in a little bit. What is truth? Pilate's question here has overtaken our age today. I think it's I don't think it's ever not taken over an age or a period and a time. I think this question has always been staring at us. Today's radical form of philosophy claims that all human knowledge is socially constructed, right? It's based on society. Society determines truths. Society gets to determine what that tape measure reads. That's what our world says today. That it's socially constructed and nothing more. In other words, as society changes, so does truth. As we change, so does truth. And I wanted to talk about this because I don't know that there's a more important topic. And you say, well, what about Jesus? Well, what is Jesus? The truth. They crucified Jesus on the cross right after this. They crucified truth on the cross as well. They crucified truth. And just as Jesus rose from the dead, truth is still alive today. And we'll talk about how it's alive. It's alive in multiple ways, I promise you. 
the sneer of Pilate, it echoes today in our schools, in our government, in almost all forms of media and literature. It, it mocks us. And it's, it's tiring at times, isn't it? It, it? it takes a toll on us even, I think, as Christians, as those who, who intend and desire to be a voice of truth. It gets old. It gets old. And I, I want our youth, I want our young men and women to realize and see that, that this will be a battle that you will face your entire lives. This will be something that you have to war against your entire adult life. And, it, and, and as we get into it, you'll see just how dangerous of a topic this can be. Just how much of a war we are in over this topic. And I, I can't, I just can't express how important it is to understand truth. And to be, not just to be able to understand it, but to be able to defend it. To be able to have the, the gumption to stand up for it. It takes a lot of nerve. It takes a lot of love, too. So I want to encourage you in those areas today. Before we go on, I want to define a few terms. The word truth. Just simply stated, this is what it means. It says, the real facts about something, the things that are true, the, the quality or state of being true, a statement or an idea that is true, and this it says here, or accepted as true. Right? That tape measure is true. Okay? A, a speed square is supposed to be true. A ruler is supposed to be true. Those things don't change. Okay? Those things are true. Gravity, you may hate gravity. Right? You may look at gravity and say, not today, but guess what? You're going to fall if you jump off something, right? It doesn't matter what you think or desire about gravity. It doesn't matter if we collectively get in a group and say, today, we ain't having gravity no more. Okay? Tomorrow, I'm not putting up with it. I'm sick and tired of it, especially as we age, right? Amen? <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying. Right? We hate gravity. No gravity. Just like me, change my ticket. Okay. That's true. God is true. Okay. Just as gravity is true, God is true. Now you, we get into that one, and you say, well, hey, Dan, sure, you can say that, right? But we get into that one. Now, all this is based on, first, we agree that God is supreme, right? And obviously, that's a disconnect with us in the world, is a disagreement. But we'll get into that one more. Second term is subjective. So this is a way to describe truth as subjective, subjective truth. It says, or relative, relative truth. It says existing in the mind. How many minds are in this room this morning? 70, 80 minds, maybe. We could all have a lot of different truths, can't we? In a subjective world, or in a subjective reality of truth. Existing in the mind or belonging to the thinking subject rather than to the object of thought pertaining to or characteristic of an individual, personal, a subjective evaluation placing excessive emphasis on one's mood, attitudes. So would you want me to get up here and preach today subjectively? Absolutely not. Because mood can be bad, my whole thought process can be bad, right? 
You don't want me to get up here and preach my own opinion. Subjective reason or subjective truth is true only to you, and it's justifiable only by you. Now, your experiences are very true, right? But we can't treat those like gravity. And that's what our world has done today. It's taken our own personal truths and it said, that's true. And now, they'll take it a step further, and maybe, maybe some of you have experienced it, says, well, Brian, you, you experienced that, and that may be true for you. But that's not my truth, right? It's not true. And that's okay, though. I saw a video of a guy that walked onto the college campus. He's shorter than me. So he's roughly 6'8". You know? <laughs> he's shorter than me. And uh, he, he goes around to these college students, and he's being recorded, and he says, to these college students one at a time, you know, and there's multiple scenes. He says, uh, would you accept that I am uh, Chinese? He's not. He's what we call him Caucasian, white, right? And he said, well, if that's what you say you are, then I can accept that. Multiple, multiple. If you want to be Chinese, power to you. Now, he says, okay, I'm a Chinese woman. How can I argue? You want to be a Chinese woman, be a Chinese woman. Multiple students agreed that this man was a Chinese woman. Looked him in the face and said, you're a Chinese woman. Now, he said, I'm a six foot five Chinese woman. They said, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. Isn't that amazing that he could be a Chinese woman, but he could not be six five? that he was only 5'6". Think about that. Why? Because it's interesting, not that any of that's okay, but because height is measurable, right? I can put a tape measure to him. I can put the old fat backs up there on him and say, hey, you are not 6'5". But our world, our, our world capitulates to this, this subjective reason that I, I can stand before you a 6'5 Chinese woman. It's a world we live in. And, and I, any of us that would agree with, disagree with that, that premise would go out in this world and, and be beaten down verbally and maybe physically. That's just the reality. So the other side of uh, another form of truth is objective. It says it's not influenced by personal feelings, interpretations, or prejudice. It's based on facts and it's unbiased. So it has nothing to do with the subject, me, my mind, but only has to do with the object, okay? gravity, right? It's objective. There is no arguing or debating it. It is a fact. Intent upon dealing with things external to the mind rather than with thoughts or feelings, emotions, belonging to the object of thought rather than the thinking subject. This is the area that our world hates and has, has a tough time dealing with. And this is the most productive most powerful, meaningful. Another word that we're going to talk about next is deception. The act of causing someone to accept as true or valid what is indeed false or invalid. So, as I thought about this sermon, I thought about truth, I thought about how often the Bible talks and, 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 and pleads with us, begs us to not be deceived. 
as I look at my children, I think every day, maybe I talk about our children and, and as they grow and mature in Christ, how we don't want them to be deceived by themselves, by anybody. Right? We don't want our kids to be deceived. The Bible is chock full of its warnings against deception. Uh, before we get into the verses about deception, I want to, there's a, uh, in, ni- in 1979, there was a Yale professor by the name of Arthur Leff. He spoke at Duke University and expressed this, this bind that we've, we humans find ourselves in when it comes to this reality of truth. This is what he has to say. Now, take this in chunks and just try to digest it. This is him preaching at Yale University. I'm sorry, at Duke University. He says, I want to believe. I want to believe and so do you. I want to believe and so do you. In a complete, transcendent, and imminent set of propositions about right and wrong. What's he talking about? God. A moral law, right? A standard by which all thoughts intentions, acts, speech can be measured. He says, I want to believe in it, and so do you. Findable rules that authoritatively and unambiguously direct us how to live righteously. He's talking about God. He says, we all want God. We want His rules and His laws. We want His statutes, His teachings. His expectations for us. But, I also want to believe, and so do you, in no such thing. But rather that we are wholly free, and only, or not only to choose for ourselves what we ought to do, but to decide for ourselves. Individually and as a species. What we ought to be. Right? A six foot five Chinese woman. I want to decide what I am. What we want, he says, heaven help us, is simultaneously to be perfectly ruled or to be led by God and also having nothing to do with Him. And perfectly free. He says that is at the same time to discover the right and the good, and at the same time to create it ourselves. Is that not the society we find ourselves in today? Is that not sometimes the predicament we find ourselves in where we want to change the truth to suit us? We want to manipulate God's Word for us. And and youth, young men and women here, you're going to deal with the same issues. You're going to deal with the world manipulating constantly God's laws, His commandments, His expectations. Because we have that battle within our hearts and within our minds that we want to choose what we want to be. We do not want to be held down or forced in any way. So we want this protection. We want this knowing that we're right, that we're good, that we're we're holy in some form, and at the same time, we want to create what is holy, and it can't be both ways. You cannot serve what? God and mammon. You can't serve God and man. 
cannot serve God and ourselves. It's impossible. It sounds like what Paul said when he said, uh, I find this, this law within me that I, I try to do good and I can't. And I, I try not to do something and that's what I find myself to do. That's the battle we find ourselves in. The world looks at us as Christians and says, you, you don't still believe in that truth fairy, do you? That's how they view an, an absolute truth. Is you don't still believe in that absolute truth fairy, do you? Be not deceived. It says, the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me. And I ate. from the very beginning of time, the very beginning of creation, we have been deceived. And we have been warned to not be deceived. So as you sit there, think about yourself and others around you and just know that we are susceptible to being deceived. Youth, listen to me when I say be not deceived. Be not deceived. Deuteronomy eleven sixteen says, Take care lest your heart be deceived. Take care. Be careful. Be cautious that your heart be not deceived. And turn aside and serve and worship other gods. Paul says in Corinthians, he says, or do you not know that the unrighteous, you know, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. <laughs> He's, do not be deceived. That the un, so why would he have to say do not be deceived? Unless there was some deception taking place, right? So he could have easily have said this first. Do not be deceived because... Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? There were those trying to deceive that unrighteousness is okay. Just as it is today. Just as we're taught today. There, there is no righteousness or unrighteousness. But he said, do not be deceived in that matter. And he goes on to list uh, sins that were apparently being taught as if they were okay. Do not be deceived. James says here, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. And, and read, hear these verses through a lens of truth. The topic being truth. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. Now this is speaking to the Christian. Okay? For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to him. What does God tell us? That as Christians, we will suffer. We may go through hard times. We may have difficulty. He promises us that. But He also uh, promises us a crown of life if we remain steadfast. Verse 13, Let no one say when he is tempted that I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted, nor does He Himself tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by what? Our own desires. Does that not sound like to what that professor said? Our own ideology, our own thought processes of what is right and what is wrong to appease our own selfish desires. We change the rule of God for us, do we not? We don't do it for Him. We don't do it for anybody else. We change it in order to suit us in some way, in some selfish way. That's why it's changed. So he goes on. 
He says, then desire, but each tempted, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed. Lured, I think of fishing, right? If, you, if you're fishing real clear water, which we don't get much of in Arkansas, but if you fish in real clear water, you can sometimes see the fish, and you can try to, especially fly fishing, I think. I've never done it, but you throw it past, and you try to just run it right by them, you know? And, I, and I'm always like, yeah, come on, baby. You know, I'm ready. I want it. Well, we're just like that. He says, be careful that you're not lured, <laughs> right? As the world, as Satan drags this lure, this temptation across us, we're like, okay. You know, that, like that fish just trying to wait to strike. Be cautious that we're not lured by our own desires. Our own desires. He says, Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Very scary verses. Very sobering verses. Then he goes in verse 16, he says, Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived about what? Do not be deceived about everything we just read. That when you face temptation and trial, do not be deceived in thinking that it's God that, that, that is tempting you with sin. Do not be deceived that He is putting evil in your life. Do not be deceived to think to blame God for, the, for your own selfish desires. Do not be deceived. Every gift, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Do not be deceived. It comes down from the Father of lights. Listen to this verse, because we'll get back to it here in a minute. Coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation, no shadow of turning, or no shadow due to change. Soren Kierkegaard, a famous philosopher, wrote, there are two ways to be fooled. One is to believe that what isn't true and the other is to refuse to accept what is true. A dangerous place to be. But we can be fooled and we can fool ourselves. And that's the most dangerous, in my experience, the most dangerous form of deception. Is when we, we get past everybody else's deception and then, and then we can't get past our own. Right? That's sometimes the hardest form of deception. We know that Satan is the master of deception. It says you are the father, uh, you are of your father, the devil, and you and your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. There is no truth outside of Jesus, I promise you. None outside of him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar. Thessalonians, Paul says, The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power, false signs and wonders. Deception. A magician. And with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth. They refuse to love the truth and be saved. Jesus alone saves, right? Jesus is truth. We have got to preach Jesus for people to know the truth. That's all. That's, that's why I said this morning that I, I stand here this morning to preach Jesus to you. Because unless people know Jesus, there, there will never be a truth in their life. There will never be truth in their existence. 
It says, therefore God sends a strong delusion, his punishment, so that they may believe what is false. And I don't know if you watch much news or, or follow. I, I don't know. I, don't, I hope that you don't watch too much. I don't watch much, but I watch enough news at the fire station, mainly because the other guys have it on. And I live with them for 24 hours every third day, unfortunately. That I do hear enough of the news. I do see enough uh, of the world, I guess, and its lies that I know that truth is under attack. Truth, but it's not... It's been under attack for a long time. God has, has been under attack. Like I said, truth and deception has been evident and existent with Adam and Eve, and it's existent today. And as, as hard as we stand up for the truth, that you can bet that there will be equal opposition in fight against the truth. Because again, we're prideful people, Right? And often we want what we want. We want what we want. And we'll change the truth. We'll manipulate the truth in our own minds in order to, to, to fill our own selfish desires. And that is, that is very dangerous. Paul says in Romans, very, very powerful verses, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth, knowingly suppress the truth, and this is another thing I want our youth to understand, guys. Just as honest as you may think somebody is, we don't know. You don't know. As honest as you may think somebody you know really well, or somebody that you really look up to, and say in the Christian faith, you just don't know. I want you to know that people knowingly suppress the truth. Did you hear me? Some good people, even knowingly suppress the truth. And they don't necessarily do it with intentions to hurt you, but they do it with intentions to please themselves or to protect themselves in their own minds. So be aware okay, that men and women knowingly suppress the truth. Even people that you may think are good, that you look up to. Don't be surprised by it. Don't be shocked. It happens. Because they exchanged the truth, they had the truth, right? And they exchanged it for a lie. That simple. They had the truth and they exchanged it for a lie. They gave it away. Proverbs sell. Proverbs sells. What does Proverbs sell? Proverbs says to get truth, to get wisdom, and do not sell it. Yet they exchanged truth for a lie because it was. And they worshipped and served the creature rather than God himself. Who's the creature? You. Me. We worship and serve ourselves. But in order to do that with somewhat of a clean conscience until it's seared to the point of burnt, we have to push God aside slowly. Right? And that's we see that in America with its you know, uh, foundings being... In righteousness, we see that being slowly chiseled away, slowly pushed away. Truth is under attack. Many will follow their sensuality. What is that? Their own, their own senses. What appeals to their own senses. And because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed, ridiculed, made fun of. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. 
hear me, guys, this morning. Hear, please. Hear God's word for you this morning and do not be deceived. Truth is under attack. You will be exploited. You will be taken advantage of. At times, you will, people will attempt to trick you and to crumble away that truth, that foundation of truth that you know you have in Christ. For those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth. If we don't obey God, it's because we are self-seeking. Seeking our own interests. Timothy says, To understand this, that in the last days, times of difficulty will come, for people will love themselves, they'll love money, they'll be proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful and unholy. All those things are self-pleasing, right? All those things. They'll be heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power, being deceitful, being deceptive, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sin and led astray by various passions. In verse 7, it says, always learning. Does that not sound like our, our culture today? Uh, but you remember when Paul went, I think it was to Athens, he faced the same thing. That they, were, they had all these gods, and they were there ready and willing to learn about a new god or about this new theory or idea. And they had the, the image there, the statue for the unknown god. Always, we live in a, an age where, where knowledge is puffed up and glorified and and idolized, right? Solomon went through the same thing, did he not? He wanted all this knowledge. He hired people to read for him and to give him knowledge. Always learning, but yet never able to arrive at Jesus. <laughs> That's what it says there. Never able to arrive at the truth, right? Never able to arrive at Jesus. That's what it says. That's why men and women are not able to arrive and accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. That's why they will not accept Him as truth. Because we are led astray by our various passions. It says, as an example here, in verse 8, uh, Janus and Jambres oppose Moses. These men also oppose truth. Men corrupt in their mind and disqualified regarding the faith. We see in Amos and in Jeremiah, this, this is not a new theory, it's not a new strategy. Men have been led away by their own passions, their own selfish desires. Eve was, Adam, their boys. <laughs> Amos says, they hate him who reproves in the gate. Could you imagine uh, a man standing at the gate of a city and proclaiming truth? They hate him. They abhor him who speaks the truth. What do we intend as Christians to speak? Paul said that I preach Christ and him crucified, and that's it. Jesus alone. As we proclaim and speak Jesus, why should we be surprised that we will be hated, disliked greatly. Jeremiah dealt with this in his time. He said, they bend their tongues like a bow, 
falsehood and not truth have grown strong in the land. For they proceed from evil to evil. They do not know me, declares the Lord. Everyone deceives his neighbor, and no one speaks the truth. I just don't see how that 
you know, you believe that God is true, but I don't. And that's a fair question, right? I mean, we face that in the world today as we preach Christ. We should, right? We face that question. But then where do we go from there? Okay, and for me, I take people back to the very beginning. I make them look truth right in the eye and ask them, give them the option of creation versus what the world teaches through science, evolution, or other forms of how we came about. Take them back to the very beginning. Okay? If we will encounter those who say, well, God is just your truth. None of this, else, none, none of this is true if we can't establish that God is true. And we have to establish once they can come to terms with the fact that we're here, right? Intelligently designed, and we have to take them to the cross. So we have to believe that Christ, that God is supreme. So I want to take us through a few verses here that, that talk about what is truth, the definition of truth. So we who bless, so he did, so that he who blesses himself in the land shall bless himself by the God of truth. Isaiah refers to God as the God of truth. Who takes an oath in the land and shall swear by the God of truth. John says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except for me. I want you to recognize here that Jesus didn't say, I know the way. You know, I know the truth, and I can point you to the life. He said, I am the way. I am the Ephesians 4.21, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. So we see that God is truth. He's called the God of truth. Jesus himself says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we read in Ephesians that we are taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. And John says... And the Word became flesh, and it dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory. Glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ is the embodiment of truth. Because He came down to be truth in the world. And what's interesting is what we see next. Even the Spirit of truth. I love how amazing this is. I, I love, I never put this together before. Even the Spirit of truth. When Jesus left, He said, I leave you the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. It's also the Spirit of truth that the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him and nor knows Him. But it will dwell with you. John says the same thing here. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. So not only do we have the God of truth, Jesus says, I am the truth. God sends us the Spirit of truth to guide us and direct us. But whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. And lastly, what ties it all in together so beautifully, is what Timothy says here. Paul says to Timothy, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Okay? Add one more layer to that. So we got the God of truth. Jesus is the truth. He sends us the spirit of truth. And he gives us what? The word of truth. It's, 
I mean, he, he got it all. We, we have no excuse to not have truth, to not believe in truth with all these tools. And lastly, I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things that if I delay, you may know how you ought to believe in the household of God. So how ought you to believe? Which is the church of the living God. So it's the church of the living God that teaches how to believe in the household of God, how to live. And then he defines or describes the church of the living God as a pillar and a buttress, a shelter, a shield of truth. We have the God of truth who sent His Son, Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life, who when He left, gave us the Spirit of truth. I don't even have my on the right number yet. The Spirit of truth. Also gave us the Word of truth. And He says that we, the church, are the pillar of truth. I love that. We have no excuse to not be found on the right side of truth. Amen. No excuse. But I stop and think about that as a responsibility of the church. It is our job to be the truth. Right? We are to be and to image, to be an image of Jesus Christ. We are to represent the truth. That's a, a tall order, but we have every uh, every tool necessary for that. Uh, briefly, the world teaches us, it's a little contrast here, the world teaches us. Uh, and our children, listen, this is, what, this is what the world wants to build up in you. This is what they want you to be like. The world teaches us to proudly put ourselves first. But the truth of God teaches us that we must deny ourselves, crucify our egos, and sacrifice for others. The ways of the world say that we will find happiness by amassing more and more but the truth of God teaches us that deep and eternal peace comes when we are content with simplicity, seeking first the kingdom of God. The world teaches that success is judged by acquiring more and more money, fame, and power. But God's truth calls, us, calls this foolishness. True success is when we stay faithful to God, His commandments, and live according to them. Worldly wisdom says that we are strong and we control others. We hold power over them. But the truth of God teaches that strength is made perfect in our weakness. I love, I love how God teaches us. He says that you walk into a, this dining hall and you, you sit at the head of the table and the, the owner of the house comes in and says, Hey, <laughs> wrong seat, pal. Go to the end. What God wants from us is to sit at the end, the lowly seat. And when the master of the house walks in, he says, Hey, kid, come up here next to me. That's the truth of God's Word. And it's precious. The world wants us to believe in some, uh, some political Messiah that will be saved by this person or that person or that you know, this next election period will be better and that America will be amazing and, you know, that all our problems will be solved. The truth of God's Word says that do not put your trust in princes or in men, but turn to the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Muhammad Gandhi, 
is revered as a spiritual talker, a man with great wisdom by many, says, what is truth? A difficult question, but I have solved it for myself by saying that it is what the voice within me tells me. If we all lived by that same theory as Gandhi, we find ourselves in the world that we live in today. I want you to imagine for a second that you take, take the church, take the church out of the world today. There any semblance of good or righteousness or holiness, take it out and imagine how bad it would be then. We think it's bad now. Imagine how bad it would be then. If everyone had the same mindset that I will not, I'm not, that's not true because it's not true for me. It's not comfortable for me. It doesn't fit within my realms of self-pleasure so that it's not true. That's exactly what Gandhi was professing here, that it's true. I found truth. It's right here. <laughs> it's a dangerous, dangerous place to be because I've been in here and it is a dangerous place to be. Trust me. Okay? It is dangerous. I, I don't want to stand up here and say that I have the market on truth cornered, but I know Jesus. And He's enough. That's the only truth. You know, all other truths that I need to know will stem from Jesus. And we live in this world that is just pathetic right now. And it has always been. You know, if, if you look at me and says, well, what is truth? And someone comes to you and says, what is truth, Phil? Where do you turn? You point them to Jesus, right? Go to, go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Go to the Sermon on the Mount. 112 verses in the Sermon on the Mount. Multiple different topics discussed in the Sermon on the Mount. You know what we need, Jason, in this world? Is an IV bag. An IV drip going with the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount in 112 verses covers myriads of moral and spiritual ethical topics that could steer our country, our world, towards God. In 112 verses, the Sermon on the Mount, incredible what was taught in 112 verses, what we call verses. We cannot use truth as a battering ram. In essence, we turn people away from Christ when we do that. We treat it as a tool to abuse. We cannot do that. The Bible says that we are to speak the truth in love. So always remember that. Being sprinkled with gentleness, right? With salt. We must not use it as a battering ram. Paul says, correcting his opponents, those who oppose the truth, God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of truth, which is our ultimate goal. It's to lead our children. It's to lead our neighbors. Remember that we read earlier to speak truth to our neighbors? That's everyone around us. Whether they believe or not, we're to speak the truth. We want to lead everyone to the knowledge of Jesus, the truth. It says that the truth, and John says the truth will set you free. 
here, and it's interesting here, they said, we're the offspring of Abraham. We were never slaves. We are indeed slaves. And the world is indeed slaved to their own selfish desires and passions. And Christ is the only freedom that we can find through truth. The truth of God and His Word are never changing. Remember we read earlier when it talked about all good and perfect gifts come down from who? The Father of lights. It says that with whom there is no variation, no change, or shadow due to change. There's no variation in God. Doesn't, don't you breathe a sigh of relief when you hear that? Isn't that amazing? That God's Word was true then and it's true today? I love that. Uh, you know, you look at science, it changes. At some point in time, we lived on a flat earth, right? It was, you know, anybody else who would argue that would be crazy. Fads come and go. Trends fade away. Opinions and life experiences are ever-changing, right? One minute we may be on high, one minute we may be on low, and our mindset has changed about God because all of a sudden now we're facing some trouble. All these things change, but truth is like this wonderful tape measure. God is like this wonderful tape measure. Never changing. Always dependable. And stable, like a pillar. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Truth will not change. As much as society wants to change it, to pull it apart, uh, to manipulate it, Jesus will not change. And that's satisfying to me. It's comforting to me. I'll read uh, 2 Corinthians 11 and 3. It says, and I'll leave you with this. It says, but I am afraid that this, as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. And that's my purpose for wanting to talk on this subject this morning. I know that there's deception that's rampant in our world and has been from the beginning of time. Eve suffered it. But be cautious to not be deceived. And turn to the only truth that really matters. If we point people to Christ, they can know the only truth that will set them free. And any other thing that they need to know about how to live as a Christian or how to live as a church or how to function, they can learn through the voice of truth, Jesus Christ. Don't let your thoughts be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. That's my plea with us this morning. Don't be afraid to stand up for truth. Don't be afraid to proclaim truth on a mountaintop. Though we're being chased as prey, and we often will be, don't be afraid. Children, youth, young, don't be afraid of truth. Don't be afraid to subject yourself to be obedient to truth. Just as God wants you to be obedient to your parents until you come unto the, under the obedience of Jesus Christ Himself. Do not be deceived, little children. I love you guys and this as I think about my children I think about this a lot
I want to prepare them for adulthood, for the deception that they'll face from politicians, from just about anybody out there. Let us be only interested in Jesus Christ, and we won't have any self-interest. I'll leave you with it this morning. Uh, thank you for your attention. Let's stand this in. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71, Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479 647-2658. May God bless you.